0: Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Once again, Talk Zone is your home for Motivation with a Purpose every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. I'm Rich Hallstrom. And right by my side is my co-host, Zeke Bambolo. And remember that we seek to inspire you to work and live with purpose. Zeke, how are you this
1: afternoon? I am doing terrific. Just uh, looking forward to a wonderful weekend with my family and so forth. Uh, But it has been a busy but a positive week, and I'm looking forward to having our discussion this morning as well. You've uh, given us a great opportunity with some great guests this morning, so all is well. No complaints.
0: And we are going to explore the subject of tension points, and that is with the book Tension Points. Two authors this morning, Harold Elmore and Kim Fletcher. Kim Fletcher is a life coach, and Harold Elmore is a former pilot, and a business entrepreneur, and they are going to give us some insight on the brand new book,
1: The Tension Point. I got to say, Rich, I got to ask you, before we even get to our guests or anything, tell me, have you, do you feel really, I know without guests not knowing exactly what the definition is, have you hit a tension point?
0: Well, when I look at tension points, Zeke, I think <laughs> about uh, key moments of decision, where you could go to the right, to the left, or... Uh, Stay right down the middle and I've definitely had two or three of those in my lifetime and I've been under pressure uh, You know having to make that one key decision that could influence your entire future I think uh, that I've experienced quite a few of those and I think even some of those have come in the form of putting this show together and putting this show uh, on a national stage So I can definitely identify with the title of this week's uh, book and our guests.
1: Yep, Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing their uh, their thoughts and their definitions, and they're leading us in this uh, discussion to really give our guests an opportunity to connect with this subject matter as well.
0: Zeke, why don't you tell our our, uh, fans out there on TalkZone.com how they can get a hold of us and how they can stay in touch with us on TalkZone plus Facebook and Twitter.
1: Well it is motivation with a purpose radio obviously on talkzone.com So if you are at the site and you uh, look up the show page there you will find all of our, all the different links to connect to uh, us ask uh, if you have additional questions beyond the show time please do so but yeah visit us at talkzone.com motivation with a purpose radio I believe do you have it is it also MWP out there uh, Rich
0: Actually we have several Facebook definitions author Zeke for yourself, (laughs) Zeke, and we want to get that out there because you're starting to get some uh, national publicity for your book, and we want to make sure that everybody knows about that, the firstborn son. We also want you to check out my personal Facebook page, Rich Hallstrom. Just become a friend of mine on uh, Facebook, and you'll see all the latest updates about Motivation with a Purpose. Then Motivation with a Purpose has its own page, Mm -hmm. MWP Radio AM and I want to see if we can get to uh, 500 fans by Christmas. How's that for a goal?
1: Well, uh, for, for, for starting off on the right foot like I think we have, we've had some terrific guests on here, and uh, we've seen some uh, connections come by. I've made some new friends myself on fa- Facebook just from this uh, show and, the, pay- and uh, the work that we've been doing so far. So for a brand-new show, go for it, man. I'm looking forward to that opportunity.
0: Excellent. And once again on Twitter, Look up MWP Radio Man, and you can send us a Twitter message so we can uh, tweet on the Twitter back and forth. We need uh, some more followers, so let's uh, do that and connect up with us in this big cyber universe. Now, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce our two guests for this week. Once again, Harold L. Moore is an award-winning entrepreneur, business trainer, and former pilot. As a successful business owner, his greatest passion is condensing his vast experience into powerful strategies and systems to allow individuals to achieve success in business while achieving fulfillment in life. He joins us this week on motivation with a purpose along with Kim Fletcher. She is a master life coach, author, and professional speaker. Her extensive background as a physical therapist College instructor and disability advocate as well as an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur have equipped Kim with skills in the areas of facilitating freedom, unleashing potential, and creating lasting results for all her clients. We welcome them to Motivation with a Purpose this week so we can discuss the fascinating subjects of the tension point. Welcome you guys. Glad to have you on the show.
2: Glad to be here, Rich. Listen, Kim. It's fabulous to be with you. Thank you so much for having my great co-author and myself with you today.
0: Well, we can't wait to get into this uh, subject of the tension point and what tension points are all about. All about. So, uh, first of all, very basic question: What inspired you guys to write the book?
3: Kim uh, and I met probably six years ago, uh, as. And she was my life coach. And one day she was asking me if there's anything I haven't done that I'd really like to do. And I'm, as you mentioned, I'm a pilot. And I said, yes, I've flown single-inch and twin-inch, but I've always wanted to fly a large 74, 747 jet. And I said, I've had this daydream of being on the jet, having a stewardess ask if there's any pilots on board, and I volunteer thinking I want to see a fancy cockpit. And I get up there and find out, that the pilots are incapacitated. She asked me if I would fly the plane. So the entire book is around that that decision, because at that moment, uh, Rich, if I'd said I'll try, you might not like to be on the plane, but if I say I'll do it, you'd like to be on the plane. And I can I'd understand say, that. You
0: can understand that and appreciate Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> understand that one. I'd be searching for a parachute if you said I can <laughs> try. And then... then
3: um, Our book's a lot about vision. Goals are great, but vision is better. And I had a vision of that runway at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. So everything I did from that point forward, uh, momentum, vision, goal, everything, was focused on that runway. And I have a sign right in front of me in in my office that says runway. So that's how this book actually started, Rich.
0: Now, I know that there is a meaning behind the the title, and there's a very important quote that you guys use in the front of the book that I'd like you both to talk about, and it's from Winston Churchill. So talk about that and the meaning, be- and the meaning behind the title, Tension Point.
2: So, Rich, do you, by any chance, uh, do you actually happen to have that quote right in front of yeah, you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll read it for you. This is it, I'll read it for you all. Great. And it says, uh, there comes a special moment in everyone's life, a moment for which that person was born, that special opportunity when he seizes it, will fulfill his mission, a mission for which he is uniquely qualified. In that moment, he finds greatness. It is his finest hour.
2: I'd be happy to. Thank you so much, Zeke, for just reading that quote. You have an absolutely amazing voice yourself. And when I hear that quote, what I hear embodied in that is not just so much a person's decision to set out and try to accomplish much with their life, I think it's actually really possible in life to end up achieving a lot of great things, but having gone down a path of achievement that didn't really quite match who you were really created to be. So part of what I really hear embedded in that Winston Churchill quote that I think is part of what caused me and Harold to choose that as kind of a cornerstone that sits near the front of our book, we hear embedded in that quote the importance of not only what it is that you're going to achieve with your life, but first of all backing up and linking what you're attempting to achieve with who it is that you've been created to be. That's the very reason that at the beginning of the tension point, we address the topic of identity, and we may end up talking about that a little bit more, so I won't go down that sidetrack right now. But it's important, I believe, and in my 10-year coaching practice with working with clients one-on-one, one of the things that I find that, that causes people to hit these tension points, and I'll define that as your as your question really directed just a moment ago, Rich, I'll talk about where we kind of got the term tension point. But I believe what I find that most clients are running into is they find themselves on a life path, maybe even decades down that life path, and then find that all of a sudden that life path is not lining up with who they really want to be or who they really believe that they were created to be. So tension point for me is a concept. It's a title and a concept that represents those almost invisible walls that we hit at different points along the way as we journey through life. We all come to these places where we have to decide, what is our next step going to be? What's my next direction going to be? Am I going to go for the promotion for the sake of the increased income, or am I going to take a different career path because it leads me to greater alignment with my vision for my life, my vision for my family, my true deep passions and purposes? So those tension points are really those invisible walls that we come up against at different points where we're going to have to decide. And this, I believe, is what really divides people in the world. We come up against these points of resistance where we have to decide, am I going to press through this invisible wall to take my life to a higher level, to take my business to a higher level? Or am I going to just stay here on the safe side of this wall and kind of hang out in a place that we've come to know as mediocre or status quo? I really believe we've Every single person listening, all of us talking on this call today, we have all been created for greatness. We need to take hold of that, and we need to shake ourselves out of these mediocre existence that we're living. So Harold and I wrote not a book about goals and not simply a book about vision. We wrote a book about waking people up to the greatness that lies within them and providing strategies and systems to help them connect their days to that greatness and create an incredible living legacy.
1: Kim, I want you, you, your man, you just, you didn't even realize that your last word is the word that I live of, that legacy. I pr- finally, I mean, I primarily spend my time in my books and my speeches and my talks talking about multi-generational family legacy. Oh, okay. So I'm glad you dropped that last word, legacy, down. But yes, I want you to take that. It, it, it seems to me, I mean, I feel like I I have just left literally uh, within the last uh, two, or two or three months, decided to leave a uh, or corporate career for almost 17 or so years Mm -hmm. and move into what may be my attention point right now where I'm going and uh, starting to move on with my book and speaking and building uh, uh, this uh, ministry and opportunity that I'm just referencing here with multi-generational family legacy, which I feel our nation and our, our families have stopped talking about. But as you say that, I sense a bit of, um, if I can say, a biblical or spiritual connection with what you're saying. Is this something that we, I can hang my hat on that you're saying, what you're saying is somewhat biblically based, or is this simply just um, uh, kind of a, I mean, how, how, how do you approach that topic?
2: Actually, I'm so glad that you put that out there, Zeke, and that's something that Harold and I will be happy to address. I am a life coach second. I am a Jesus follower, Jesus chaser, God chaser first of the highest okay. order. And one thing that you get when you rub arms with myself as a Christ-focused life coach and Harold as a very powerful Christ-focused entrepreneur, what you are going to get out of Tension Point are concepts and strategies that work for everyone, regardless of your faith or your value system. However, they're going to be absolutely most effective because they're kingdom principles, they're Jesus-backed principles, they're His original ideas, embedded and entrenched all throughout what we do. And so the the way that you truly achieve your highest life, I could talk to you all day long. It doesn't even matter if I'm a master level life coach. But if I'm trying to take you down a life path away from Jesus, you're never going to achieve your highest purpose in life. You're never going to know your true identity. And you're never going to have the power that you need that only God's Spirit can grant to you to live out your highest created purpose.
1: Now, yes, the, the second part, because as I speak of that, Kim, and now maybe, Harold, one of you can decide who you want, who wants to chime in on this. Sure. There's a term of phrase in my mind that, that, that challenged me during my last few months, and I, I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about people taking on their visions to, today because of, that's the nature of your discussion. But there's, during those last few months, I, I struggled to can decide, okay, it's time to break away from corporate life and move into this thing because I feel that that's this is my calling. This is where I'm moving. Next is where God's sending me. Um... I came across a, a phrase called passive responsibility, and I say that from the aspect of a lot of times when we're corporate employees, you know, corporations, especially with your sales backgrounds, I understand. Uh, people say, well, you know what? This, this is your coder, You're responsible for these things, but. Yet and still, they will tell you. They, they they tell you every day the things that you need to do, and instead of giving you that responsibility. Really take on your 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 uh, your, cha- your charge or your challenge and achieve what you must. And so sometimes you feel like you're restrained because there's this passive responsibility. Here you're, you're responsible for, it, but yet and still, I'm going to keep control of how you're going to accomplish what you need to accomplish. How does that you know sit as well when you talk about someone grabbing hold of vision with regards to hitting our attention points.
2: Harold, if you don't mind, I'm going to take that ball as a coach, and then I'm going to toss it to you as an entrepreneur because yeah. I believe we both have. I'm, I'm not. I, I feel like I'm just kind of trying to take. The, I feel like I'm taking the floor here for my uh, co-author, and I don't mean to, but this is stuff as a coach I get passionate and excited about. Because Zeke, when you just describe that kind of what I'm going to call kind of your corporate responsibility, something that I hear missing in that when your boss says to you, or when your friend says to you, or your spouse says to you, I just need you to do this. And when we find our lives filled up with a whole lot of, I just need you to do this, but if it's not really things that capture my heart, if it's not really things that compel my deepest calling, the thing that I hear missing in that is passion. Mm. And so one of the things that's dangerous about passive responsibility, to me passive responsibility is something I'm obligated to as an individual or as a business person as opposed to something that I have decided by choice to step into. This is the beautiful thing about God and calling, is that God imprints or embeds literally within our spirit the picture, which to me is my definition really a vision of what it is that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Andy Stanley, who is a powerful minister and author, has a coach about I mean has a quote about vision that I love and he says that vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the belief that it should be. And what I hear you saying, Zeke, is that you are stepping into, this is what I should be doing. You've got the skill and the gifting, no doubt. You could be doing many things, but what should you be doing? And when we step into what we personally feel compelled to do, what we know we should be doing, now we start tapping into our passion. We start tapping into our deepest callings. And as that passion starts to rise, we take on responsibility willingly, as opposed to it feeling like a burden.
1: And you're, and you're right. You know that that passive responsibility is not just by employees, but it happens between husbands and wives just the Absolutely. same. You know, in relationships of that nature, it is certainly yes. something that uh, when you when we hit that point, we have to be very aware of what that what, what that passion, where we where are we driving that that focus from. So I, I appreciate you sharing that.
2: Absolutely, I appreciate the question. And my intention was to kind of toss that off because I know that Harold has some powerful things to speak to that topic out of his own passion yeah, as well in the direction he's going to business.
3: Mine's going to be a little more simple perspective that I come from, but in 1973, I resigned from the Illinois State Police to get into selling. And my goal, I felt, my vision was to be the top-notch salesman in the company, and I worked very hard at that. I did good at selling. I did good at managing people. And when I met Kim... We started talking. She did a values and need analysis of me and we worked on that for two different weeks. One of the greatest thing ever I did. And we got through. I found out my true vision, my true calling was to help other people succeed. So when I quit trying to be the top salesman and focus on helping others succeed, I built one of the top teams. And that, ha- that, that was a revelation for me because I thought. My main goal, my main objective, my main vision is to be a top-notch salesman, break sales records. It was not. It was to help others. And once I realized that and started working in that direction, my life's gotten simpler. I'm more relaxed. uh, I'm doing what I should do, and I enjoy it.
0: We'll hear more about the tension point after this timeout on Motivation with a Purpose. You're listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome back to this current edition of Motivation with a Purpose. We're discussing the t- tension point with author Harold Elmore and Kim Fletcher, our guest this week on Motivation with a Purpose, and also back with me is my co-host, Zeke Bambolo. Zeke, fascinating discussion about the tension point and those moments in our life when we need to make dedicated and definite decisions. Uh, let's talk about what practical steps that they can offer to people uh, to connect with their vision each day. Kim or Harold, why don't you take that?
3: I, I have a system I use. Uh, I've worked through a lot of steps are in the book. The book is an excellent coaching tool for helping you find out who you are, your own identity, what your goals, what your vision is. But I have a procedure that I use. I'm kind of an organized person, and every evening I'll uh, take a sheet of paper out and write down the six most important things that I need to do the next day. The next morning I get up and look at them, I put them in order, then I have my vision written out, some goals, a book, I write some notes, and my first 30 minutes of the day are focused on what I'm wanting to accomplish, not watching the news, not checking the email, not checking the bank accounts, you know, not drinking coffee, just sitting there kind of focused on what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. So each day I connect with my vision. It's just a small one-paragraph vision about what I'm doing in my business, another about my marriage. And from that point forward, I mark out the six things, the order I want to do them, and get about my business. And that's how I keep connected to a vision. Plus, it's, it's written on um on the wall. I've got a little poster to look at. My office has got little symbols and trophies in it. Kind of a simple approach, yet it. it connects me to the vision. It helps me get accomplished. Reminds me what I'm about, what I want to do.
1: Yeah. So as we as we discuss again, um, maybe this is a question that I should try to put directly to Kim at this point in time, sure. as a as a coach and see. Um, so. As you you talk about tension point and um, really coaching people to embrace their their visions, for example, um, so a lot of times people come into this situation thinking that. Um, well, I think in, when you talk about in your book a little bit that when people finally find their vision, their passion, things start to flow a little simpler. But I think sometimes people underestimate the fact that they're still, they're still going to run into challenges. And I want you to talk to us a little bit about how you, if you're out there and you found that uh, natural vision of your that you have that natural flow in this, in this uh, uh, knowledge of understanding intention point, how can we make sure that we at the same time have the proper perspective when we run into those challenges that seem a little insurmountable?
2: Zeke, that is an absolutely fabulous question, and I'm really, um, selfishly, I'm glad you tossed that one at me because as a coach, I, I work every day with people who, like you just said, they, they have developed that, some degree of that picture. They have an idea of where it is that they're headed with their life, with their vision, but as is true with life, we run into obstacles along the way. Those obstacles may be real and touchable circumstances, relationship issues, um, getting downsized out of jobs, but those those tension points that we hit might also be negative thinking or limited belief systems we still have stuck in our own heads or our own spirits. So all along the way, as we move toward our visions, we're, we're hitting points of resistance where, again, like I said before, we got to decide from that point whether we're going to go forward. So here's what we know. I know for a fact as a coach that if I'm working with you, just like your beautiful vision for your new um, kind of season in life that you were just describing a few moments ago, Zeke. What I know for a fact as a coach is that if you have a big vision, you're going to meet some big resistance along the way. And I'm not going to coach you well if I just coach you to clarify that vision. I'm going to have to coach you to actually develop some skills and strategies that are going to work for you when you hit the hard times, that are going to keep you faithful to that vision. So a couple of the very simplistic things that I like to do, first of all, I like to work with folks to do something individual, unique that works with them to keep their vision central right in their mind in front of them. You you brought up um, faith pursuits and asked a few moments ago um, just kind of where uh, Christian worldview comes into what Harold and I have done here with the Tension Point. And since you brought that up, I think even of a concept with Jesus where we see in Scripture that for the cross that was set before him, Jesus endured or for the hope that was set before him, rather. Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured the unthinkable because he had his eyes on what was going to be the outcome of the cross. Mm-hmm. So what we've got to do is we've got to, we've got to have a vision that is so powerful that it's going to compel us to keep pressing through the hardest times because we, we know that we know that we know deep down in our spirits that we've got to reach that other side. We've got to achieve that thing that we're envisioning and moving towards. So one key step Do whatever it takes. Some people might put up a picture or poster. Some people might put up a favorite quote in front of them. Some people might be able to even draw out or write a short narrative or poem or mission statement or vision statement about what it is that their vision really is. But do that. Do whatever works for you and your personality and have that where you can see it every day. That's one thing. Keep your vision in front of you and remind yourself every day of the benefits and the reward that you're going to feel when you when you come to that place, so it'll keep you going on the hard days. The second thing that you've got to do, you've got to make a commitment to that vision. You right now, you can't dance one day in the corporate world and dance the next day in 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 the outreach world. Amen. You've got to make a decision. You're hitting a crossroads here, brother, and a crossroads kind of looks like a slingshot. You've been going down one path, and now all of a sudden it's either that way or that way. And you know, and we've got to make a choice, and we've got to make a commitment. If we keep waffling back and forth, we lose precious energy, precious resources. So sometimes you just got to hop on that train and ride, <laughs> trusting where it's going to take you. And the third thing you're going to have to have, you better have some support. We tell people intention point. Develop your support system before you need it. Don't wait until you're in a crisis. Don't wait until you're in a hard place. And surround yourself with people who know your vision and who are encouraging you toward that vision. It's, it was said once ago, long ago, and I don't. it was anonymous. I've never known exactly who said this, but I've quoted it for years. Don't trust your vision to negative thinking people. Surround yourself with a support system that's like-minded, like-spirited, people who are also people of vision, and keep each other encouraged. The power of encouragement, the power of agreement, the power of brotherhood and sisterhood, unfortunately that's something we're kind of losing in our culture. But if you visit developing countries, like I've spent time in Africa, you will find that brotherhood is powerful. You're going to find men walking around holding hands with each other, and they're just great friends. They're brothers. You're going to find women walking around linked arms with each other, and you see that physical picture of what we've got to have emotionally, mentally, and spiritually if we're ever going to achieve these great visions that have been set before us by God in our spirits. We're going to need each other.
0: What I hear you saying is that we need to build and sustain momentum, one thing, And I want you to talk about what is so powerful about momentum. And I also want you to explain to us, if you could, in a very simple way, what's the difference between a coach and a mentor? Because I think those two things are linked with my question about momentum. Go for it.
2: Absolutely. And with your permission, Rich, um, I see Harold really as a momentum expert. If Harold's able to hear, I would love to turn the momentum question to Harold and then me deal with the distinction between coach and mentor. Is that okay?
3: I I do deal and do some talks on momentum, but momentum, I think an example of momentum, you can take a train that stopped and put a penny under the wheel, and the train can't go. But if you get that train going 60 miles an hour, it'll take about anything out of its way that, that it's going through. So when you build momentum, you go through obstacles without even feeling them. Just keep on keeping on. But if you're moving around slow and and backwards and not really knowing what you're going to do, not confident, any little obstacle is going to bother you. As you go for a major vision, you're so focused on that vision, so excited about that vision, so passionate that you have momentum. And the key to momentum that I've found, and, and I've dealt with this for 10 years in teaching it, the key is to have a real clear clean vision, which I did not have for years. And when you have that vision, you're going to have the passion and you're going to have the momentum. Um, it's hard to steer a parked car, especially years ago since I'm older that didn't have power steering. But once that car is moving, it's easy to move it. So if you have momentum and a good vision and you want to change course a little toward a different goal or something, it's easy. But if you're sitting still, it's very difficult. So momentum is built by you having a good attitude, by you looking at your goals, by you having a vision. And if you're a leader, guess what? You're responsible for the mem- momentum of your team. So you need to help them set up their vision, their goals, have a coach, your coach for them. But you've got to have momentum, and it's one of one of the key elements in being very successful. And I bought a, a set of – I do a lot of listening when I travel – a set of CDs about um, – Momentum and, and goal setting, etc. And the whole series ended with the main thing is to have a clear, concrete, excitable vision. So the key to it all is vision, but momentum is so, so, so very critical. And Kim, you said a key thing you can have a bunch of losers around you that will help kill your momentum. So do not. Deal with negative people saying you can't do it. Deal with people who say you can, and
1: that helps your momentum. Kim, do you want to take that aside of it? You 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 mentioned you wanted to touch on something earlier, I suppose.
2: Yes. So, Rich, you actually gave kind of a two-sided question, the one that Harold just dealt powerfully with around his thoughts on momentum. And then you had also had a second part of that question, which you had asked us to do a little bit of a distinction between a coach and a mentor. Uh, would you like for me to go ahead and and kind of run with that just a moment now?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead with it, Kim.
2: Okay, super. Well, first of all, you know, it's it's so hard even in an hour to talk about all the concepts that lie embodied within an entire book. So the thing that Harold and I want our listeners to know today is that the tension point was actually written so that this, this is almost like a written companion that can function with you as a a print text version of a coach we really want this to be a, co- a book that almost acts like a life and business coach in your hands that as you read through it there are powerful strategies and systems and even practical exercises and suggestions that are going to actually help coach you right where you are now the fact that we can put a book in your hand and we're very very excited don't let us forget to tell you uh... we our most excitement announcement is the first place we're making it we're just about to offer the ebook version of the Mm -hmm. Tension Point. So let's just say that, you know, hopefully every person who's listening to this call today is going to decide they need their own copy of the Tension Point. When we talk about distinguishing between a coach and a mentor, um, if we can put a book in your hand that acts as a coach, um, well, I'm not sure that a a book that is a coach is also a, a mentor. To me, when I think of a mentor, I think almost of the, again, the kingdom principle, the biblical principle of discipleship, where you have someone... A mentor to me is someone who comes alongside you that you intentionally seek out because they are further down the actual life path that you're hoping to head down, or career path, or ministry path, or uh, nonprofit outreach path. If I I choose mentors, they're likely going to be very like-minded, like-spirited, and we may even have similar or complementary visions to each other. And I'm intentionally seeking someone out who can challenge me toward my specific vision, A coach does not have to be that specifically connected to or even involved in what it is that you're moving toward. A coach, I would call much more of a, a coach really is a professional facilitator, whereas a mentor is modeling for you and laying out a way of life, laying out strategies, laying out systems. The powerful thing about a coach is that they're actually a professional facilitator who comes along and helps unlock the own mentor that lies within yourself you come to your own conclusions about which direction life to take. You begin to listen to that deep inner voice that resides inside of you that is speaking things to you that's not just going to speak to anybody else in the world. And so I don't know if that helps, but that to me is a simple distinction. I think a mentor, um, when I think of people in my life that I would bestow with that honorable title of mentor, they're people who've been with me along the journey for a long time. I have folks who coach with me three sessions, and they take it and run with it. I have folks who coach with me as long as a year, but a coach isn't as likely to be in your life long term. So a coach is someone you really bring bring alongside you to unlock and to accelerate your journey from point A to point B. I hope that Uh helps.
1: Oh, it does. That's, I really appreciate that. You do a good job of setting that distinction. I really appreciate that. And uh, we're going to go to break here, but yes, when I want to, when we come back, I want us because I don't want our guests to be a little uh, disjointed in their thought going forward. But I would like for you all to help us understand the difference between a vision and a goal. So i am all over that a little bit when we come back. And ladies and gentlemen, this is motivation with a purpose on Talk Zone Radio, and we will be right back with our guest.
0: It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts,
1: Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Good afternoon again and welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose. This is Zeke Bambolo, the co-host here along with Rich Hallstrom. And today we have been discussing on uh, our show today the Tension Point, and our guests have been Harold Elmore and Kim Fletcher, who are co-authors of the book The Tension Point. And Harold, let's start with you if you can to help us again. Uh, let's define for our guests, because as we talk about visions and you know, we're talking about people's emotional connections and passionate connections to these topics of what's going on in their lives as they move forward, whether disconnecting from one thing and starting another, a lot of times, we can get really wrapped up in the the, the difference between what we set as or what we see as our goal or what the vision is. And can you help us decipher that so that going forward, our guests, and our, our audience, know exactly what they're putting their fingers on out there?
3: Yes, I definitely can. It's, there's a, a great distinction between the two. We. Um we find our vision. A lot of people just say set goals, set goals, and they don't really know where they're going, and they have some problems reach them. Some reach them, most of them don't. But if you have a vision, you have a main focus point, a, a focal point where you're going to go. And all goals are action steps to get you to that point. If you if you want to lose 50 pounds, that's your vision for your health, perhaps. Then You have action steps. Um, you know, the first month you might want to set a goal of 10 pounds, maybe 15, third month, so on and so forth. So you set intermediate goals that help break down a very large, beautiful, wonderful vision of losing 50 pounds. And that's that's, that's the distinction. That's the difference. The goal is an action step helping you achieve your vision.
0: Kim, I have a question for you. In the book, you and Harold talk about the fact that passion can outperform skill. Explain that for us this morning.
2: Well, that's a, I, I love the distinction as a coach of passion versus skill, and it actually takes me back to, if I can just kind of piggyback on what my uh, co-author was just saying about this distinction between vision and goals, and I will I will use this, Rich, to address your question. Um, if I can back up just a second, he was using the picture of weight loss as an example. That's a, that's a good one, Harold. You're touching a nerve with a lot of our listeners, but it's a good one because it's a universal thing. Most people at some point in their lives think about losing 10, 20, 30 pounds. Um, many of us right now might need to actually do that as we're speaking. And so if I take that particular thing of weight loss, I want to do just a little bit of a further distinction between vision and goals to then go to this passion question that you just threw out there, Rich, because if I impose on myself a goal of losing 20 pounds, and that actually happens to be something that I've recently imposed on myself and I'm kind of in the midst of If I have a goal of losing 20 pounds, basically what that's going to mean to me is that my days are now requiring some sacrifice. My days are requiring me to actually um, be kind of hindered in the area. I love great food. I love socializing around food. And so for me, a goal of weight loss is actually very restrictive. Um, It is not a positive emotion for me, but it is an important goal. If I take this desire to lose 20 pounds and wrap it instead of a goal of I'm going to eat a certain way, exercise a certain way, drink a certain amount of water, um, you know, rest a certain amount, those are the goals that will help. You know, we all know what you got to do to lose 20 pounds. We know what the action steps, the goals, like Harold was just saying, need to be. But here's where vision comes into play. And right here, Rich, to link this to your question, vision unleashes passion. Because if instead of just limiting myself so that I can take action steps moving toward the goals I need every day to lose 20 pounds, if I actually set for myself a vision of myself 20 pounds lighter, and hopefully I don't want to, this is one of the things that's wrong with American culture, we just go on some extreme fast, some extreme diet. Diet in my world is a four-letter word. I don't want to hear it. And if I take an extreme food approach and lose a bunch of pounds, chances are they're going to jump right back on me. But what I want, I want a vision not only of weighing 20 pounds less, I want a vision of being healthier. I want a vision of being fitter. I want a vision of waking up and feeling energetic and relaxed and balanced within my own body. I might even begin to picture myself doing something six months from now physically that right now would be hard for me weighing a few pounds extra. So again, that. When you get a vision, it's picturing the outcome before it actually exists. Stephen Covey, powerful author, you know, the the, the seven, eight habit guru, um, Stephen Covey used to say very powerfully and still does in his print things that will go on for ages to come, that vision is beginning with the end in mind. Get in mind where it is you're headed and then back up to where you are right now and you'll know exactly what steps are going to be required to move you toward that picture. And when we get that picture of myself, 20 pounds lighter, healthier than I've ever been in my life, doing physical things, having fun with my godchildren, down on the ground playing, enjoying all the water sports I enjoy, now you even hear in my voice, emotion begins to emerge that's not about me limiting myself, but I'm beginning to feel the possibility. I'm beginning to sense the hope and literally the vision rising. And so my passions begin to get connected in that. I can tell you, if you're going to set a vision and then you're going to create action steps or goals to meet that vision, you better make sure that the action steps you're taking have some passion attached to them or you'll never reach that vision. We've got to be, you know, so for me, if I, you know, I happen to really, really like fresh food. So I can get passionate about buying, you know, expensive tropical fruit instead of apples and oranges. So it might cost me a little something to eat that way, but it's going to keep me eating the way that I need to eat for my body and my health level to be where I want them to be. So you asked me to distinguish between passion and skill. I'm just going to take this back to what Zeke was talking about earlier. In the corporate world, there are many, many people out there who are very, very skilled. They are very good at what they're doing. But I can tell you today that if I were running a corporation, I will hire someone who's going to be passionate about the role I'm placing them in and then help train them because you can train skill. You can train a person to increase their skill. You cannot train a person to have passion for something they weren't wired to have passion for. So I really have seen in my coaching practice and in my business and in the speaking and training that I've done over the last decade that the people who are passionate about achieving something are far more likely than the people that possess the Ph.D. or master level skill in that thing.
0: Jim, is that where ultimate focus comes in, when you combine the passion with the definite focus, because I really, uh, when I read the book, I really liked that term, ultimate focus, and it seemed like passion is then followed by the ultimate focus is what I hear you talking about.
2: Absolutely is, uh, Rich. One of my favorite personal coaches, and he's a powerful, um, he's a powerful Christian leader, a businessman, powerful business owner. His name is Lance Wall now, and I I heard him say something recently that really grabbed me. He said, we need to increase our capacity to actually occupy our destiny. Zeke, I probably need to send you that one to put on your wall where you're working with young people. We need to increase our capacity to occupy our destiny. So here's where those things work together. If I'm working in a corporate role and I am functioning at a really high level, off the charts. If, uh, if if we talk about a zero to 10, where 10 is my highest level of skill, if I'm doing a job that I'm skilled at, and then on the other side of the graph, if I'm actually on a zero to 10 level of passion, if I'm actually not only doing something I'm gifted and skilled at, but if I'm doing something that I'm passionate about, we reach what Lance Wall now calls convergence. And I believe Stephen Covey also talked about convergence, where we're living what Lance calls a 10-10 life, you know, where I'm feeling fulfilled. But if we're You know, we might have a person, like we said, who's doing a corporate job they're skilled at, but they've lost the fire. They've lost the passion. They've lost the desire to be there. Maybe they were compelled there by the money and they got there and realized the money's not enough. On the other hand, you may have a person who's really, really passionate about something, but they can't figure out how to connect their days to that passion. Both of those individuals are going to be very unfulfilled. And one of the things that we want our listeners to hear we wrote the tension point for those of you right now who are at a place in your life where you're not sure that you're living your highest life and where you're feeling perhaps a bit disillusioned or a bit unfulfilled. We really want to get this book in your hands because I really believe there's systems and strategies and encouragement and inspiration in there that's going to really call forth just really the highest level of who you're created to be and help you figure out how to move in that direction of that vision.
1: Oh great, thank you so much, and uh, sure indeed, if you, if you wanna get me, uh, I mean I do, I wasn't writing it down, but if you have something else you wanna send me concerning, concerning that statement, that, uh, quote, please send me that, I would love to uh, get my Absolutely. hands on that. Absolutely. Um Harold, let's come to you for a second here to help us as we come to, as uh, we start to wind down the show here, um, Ultimately, what we want is for our audience and our fans to grab a copy of your book, *The Tension Point*. Again, uh, by Harold Elmore and Kim Fletcher, and get into the meat and bones of what you're talking about. There's some serious substance in your book, and I really appreciate it, especially even that you decided to write this from the concept of you, you know being a pilot and the one of the pilot of 747. But here's if you can help us out here. Our audience, now take us a little, give us a little bit of uh, grabbing this concept from a personal standpoint. A couple of tips here and there, and what do you think? What do you think is some of our best takeaway? That before we even get to reading your book, what can you give us a couple of takeaways that we can walk away, that our audience can walk away with today?
3: Well, uh, one one great thing that we that we they can walk away with today is this book is is different than most books. It's actually a book that gets you to thinking about your life with little worksheets to fill out, examples, exercises. So you can walk away with this book with uh, almost a coach, not quite, but almost a coach for yourself, working through it. I've had several people that have put up um, remarks on Amazon, different places that it's really helped them turn their lives around by the fact it makes them think about themselves. A lot of books, and I've got a library, they, it Covers my office over a thousand books, mm. but this book makes you think about yourself. A lot of the books are feel-good books. You read them, you really feel good about them. Uh, we've quoted a uh, one of my main mentors in life, Zig Ziglar, who passed away uh, mm-hmm. this week, uh, and I'm saddened by that. A lot of his yeah. quotes are in there. He's a person who wrote some books, but he also did a lot of hard work, and he made the mistakes. And in this book, people see that I'm not perfect. I made a lot of mistakes. I've headed down the wrong road wrong several. wrong road, if I can say that right, several times, but this book helps you really focus on your vision, gives you the momentum, helps you look at your own personal identity, which a lot of people never think about that, and then script out a life plan for yourself. So that's the difference. You really come away reading this book with a plan for your own life.
1: Rich, uh, I I think what before, we may have time for a little bit uh, more here, but maybe Maybe, Kim, uh, Kim, you talk a little a bit about in the uh, your discussion that um, success and failure are not opposites. So can you give our audience some nuggets to take away from that statement, please?
2: I absolutely will, and I've got to give credit where credit is due. Um, I actually have a good friend. Her name is Jean Driscoll. She's the only person in the world who's ever won the Boston Marathon eight times, and she did it in the wheelchair division. Jean was born with spina bifida. So for you out there who think that your circumstances are going to keep you from achieving your vision, um, she was voted in the 20th century by Sports Illustrated as one of the 100 most talented athletes, able-bodied and disabled, in the entire world. So this is an extraordinary young woman, and if you get a hold of Jean's book, and look a bit at her past, you'll find out that growing up with a disability and growing up with some dysfunction in her own family, she really, really struggled. And things were definitely set against her. And as she began to move toward an elite-level athletic career that took her into several trips to the Olympics, several trips to the Paralympics, and many, many silver and gold medals today that hang on her walls in her office at the University of Illinois, you'll find a woman who talks about that, In order for her to have this incredible athletic success that she has enjoyed, there were many failures along the way. And all those failures could have represented tension points for her where she just threw up her shoulders and gave up and decided at that point to stop. But she would press through every failure. Failures are stepping stones towards your success. Um, I believe it was the brilliant gentleman, in fact, who uh, designed the light bulb that even had a very similar quote along those lines. There were thousands of attempts at the light bulb before there was actually a functioning, working light bulb. And every one of those was teaching the inventor something about what ultimately was going to be a functioning, working light bulb, just like every one of Gene's failures and every one of our failures. Failure is a very powerful teacher if we allow it to be. We need to learn from the places we failed. I say that failure makes a great teacher and a lousy bedfellow. That's one of my (laughs) personal, you can quote me on that if you want to, Rich. Um, but failure is a great thing to learn from, but then we need to let it go and lay it down and leave it behind and charge forward.
0: Our guests have been Harold Elmore and Kim Fletcher, co-authors of The Tension Point on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose. Become a visionary and not just a goal setter and a goal doer. That is our message from today's episode of Motivation with a Purpose. For Zeke Bambolo, I'm Rich Hallstrom, inviting you to join us next week on Talk Zone for another exciting edition of motivation with a purpose.